studying uh, what is a healthy church member. There's a little book that this study is based on. And uh, uh, <clears throat> there's another book, which I'm not sure I've ever read, called uh, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church and uh, um, by Mark Deaver. Uh, and and uh, I think this book is... Uh, somebody said, hey, you know, there's a logical thought extension. Uh, if you look at the nine marks of a healthy church, what would you see in the members of that church that would, that, that would tend to make that church more healthy or be as, be as a result of the healthiness of the church, healthy members? Kind of, uh, uh, as, as we talked before, it's, there's not a chicken or an egg there. Those two things kind of just they go together. They help each other. And, uh, <clears throat> of course, we're largely together to help each other, uh, and we'll look at, we'll look at that in, in several scriptures. I thought that, uh, that, well, the subject today, which I meant to write on the board, and I got distracted, and there's no markers up here anyway, <laughs> we're going to talk about, uh, say again? I'll get you marker. Oh, uh, no, thanks, Ron. Thank you very much. I, uh, if I didn't put it on the before class, now I just have to do it verbally. Thank you. Um, so we're talking this morning about a healthy church member is gospel-saturated. Gospel-saturated. Okay, so that's going to be our topic. A healthy church member is gospel-saturated. Um, so I was thinking about it. I thought, well, you know, we should start... When we start talking about being gospel-saturated, let's start by looking in the Bible at the gospel. Let's just re read the gospel out of the Bible a little bit. So could you turn with me to John 3, 16 through 18? 3, 16 through 18. And I'm looking for a volunteer to read that to us. like to volunteer to read that to us, you just raise your hand, and I'll, I'll call on you to volunteer. Okay, Erlene, thank you very much. John 3, 16, that's what you Through mean. 18. Through 18. 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Thank you. You know, Ron, I am going to need a marker. So. <laughs> I just remembered that ten minutes later. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Erlene. Uh, uh, we see people on TV at ball games holding up a sign that says John three sixteen. It's not they're just trying to get a gospel out, right? That's uh, if someone knows what that means and looks it up. They're going to read. Jesus, thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. They're going to read Jesus describing, telling the gospel. 
All right, let's look at Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. Uh, back in the original day, like in the book of Acts, they didn't have the book of John, but they were talking about looking in the scriptures about the gospel. They were explaining the gospel to people using the Old Testament scriptures. Who can read Isaiah 53, 5 and 6? But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. <clears throat> Thank you. Okay, speaking of Acts, let's go to Acts 2, 36 through 39. <clears throat> Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. It's kind of just made my arms tingle a little bit. That was Peter preaching and then what happened afterwards and what Peter said to them. <clears throat> Let's go to Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus." so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, and which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. <clears throat> Thank you, Devin. All right, one more gospel passage, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8.
For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. She's supposed to go through... Nope, that's good, right there. Three through eight. Thank you. So, uh, well, I'm feeling a little... I mean, I'm feeling a little saturated right this minute, reading these different passages uh, scattered through Scripture where the gospel is kind of summarized, or most elements of it are summarized. And... uh, uh, Well, we'll uh, we'll come back to the set of scriptures here in a few minutes. So uh, now we switch into the the church and members of the church. That's us individually, uh, and us are are being saturated with the gospel. So what's the connection? Maybe this is kind of a little bit of the connection of the, of the book we're studying, which is, you know, when we're saved, like Doug reminded us last week, we are, we're brought into a restored fellowship. We're restored in a way, although we haven't been in it yet. So I guess we're brought into a restored fellowship of, uh, a, with God and with each other with the with um, we're, we're brought in as uh, restored into a restored relationship with God as his child and kind of a restored or new uh, Holy Spirit empowered fellowship with all his other children we're brought into that <clears throat> uh, our brothers and sisters in the family of God and we become members of the body of Christ uh, on earth now and for all time before and after that universal church is all of God's children uh, <clears throat> uh, there's a there's a there's a passage about this in Ephesians 4 of oh, Ephesians 4 11 through 16 I'll read that Ephesians 4 And he gave, this is kind of about the church, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, so those are the people who wrote scripture, the evangelists, those are the people who told us the gospel, shepherds and teachers, or pastors and Bible teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, 
We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So there's that picture, really, of the healthy church and how each person in the healthy church has that has it is a piece of that health so you you know like the cells in a body they didn't really know about cells back then but we know about them now there's cells in there and if they're healthy the body's healthy if any cells aren't healthy then the body is ill it's not it's not as good as it could be or worse right so there's that picture of the body of Christ of which each of us is a member and uh, there's that direct link is the, 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 the working together basically to grow and become more healthy and stronger and larger. Uh, and that church is, um, as the body of Christ, is really, is really Christ's physical presence on, on the earth now. Right, so he's seated at the throne, the right hand of the Father. Physically, that's where he is in his his resurrected body. He's there. He's not here on earth right now. He is visible though on earth because of the body of Christ, the church here. So uh, let's look at Second uh, Corinthians five. It's just right by there. Second. Five, seventeen through twenty. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Another little gospel summary there mixed in. But this is about the church uh, presenting the gospel to the world. So the, 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 the function of the church as it's is it is growing and is to represent Christ to the world, primarily this call for reconciliation, to be reconciled to God. And uh, so there's sort of the purpose of the church and how how it uh, builds over time in Scripture. So if we're... uh, we're called then to soak ourselves in the gospel, 
we're saying it's let's soak ourselves in the gospel let's help each other be soaked in the gospel so let's back up for a second um, if we do that how, how does that help the gospel visibility mission of the church how does our individual being soaked in the gospel affect the gospel visibility of the church to the world any thoughts well, the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks so if our hearts are filled with the gospel it's going to come out it will come out my nature of it coming out one of the people we want to put groups of people we want to talk to about naturally is the other people in our church so that communication from one to another increases our joy corporately and ideally then that joy should go out to the world when we leave each other contributes to that overflow right we bring it in and soak each other in it yeah, there's, uh, we were just in Ephesians. Uh, in Ephesians 4.16, it says, uh, uh, well, 4.16, is that what I meant? Nope. <laughs> Hold on, let me find what I, what I meant. about from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped? Well, that's 416. No. But that must not be what I was referring to. Let me try. Oh, here it is. Okay, so it's 432. So walking in the gospel with the gospel in mind and, to, and reminding each other of the gospel, this reminds us how much we've been forgiven. That's the main one of the main things about the gospel is that Christ has paid the price for our sins, that our sins have been forgiven. And uh, what the connection I was making here is to, is to Ephesians 4:32, where Paul reminds us to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So that. Uh, Gospel mindfulness helps us uh, be brothers and sisters and forgive each other and walk together, even though we're sin we're sinners and we're gonna we're gonna uh, rub each other the wrong way or worse. Then, what we need to have that forgiveness between each other. Where does that come from? Well, that comes from the gospel. That comes from us being reminded how much we've been forgiven. That's one way. Um, there's Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, 
bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then there's John 13, 35. which says, by this, this is Jesus talking, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So this is not the only way, but this is a way that us being gospel-saturated, if we're just walking around mindful of how our sins have been paid for by Christ's blood on the cross, then our we didn't read the rest of that verse in Corinthians, but we look at people differently. We look at each other differently because we have that in mind. And <clears throat> so that's just that's one way that I can think of that there's this direct connection between the effectiveness of the church as a whole with us being as an individually kind of soaked in the saturated. Our author uses the word saturated. So... What do we mean by saying a healthy church member will be gospel-saturated? I've been just saying it like we all agree on what it means. What does is, what is being saturated with something mean? I can really think of a sponge or something like when you think of a saturated, that it soaks up as much water as it can. So, I mean, there should be, hopefully for us, if fluttering Christ, there should be a hunger and a desire for to hear the word of God and to have it inform our life and to tell others about it. So it, it, it becomes something that centers, that, that you center your life in it. Um, it's not just agreeing with the, the words theologically, but um, how it affects um, your thinking about the way you live and um, how you interact with others. Uh, it increases your love for God the more you know about Him. It gives you, points you to your hope in what He's doing and is going to do for you in eternity. Um, it, it ideally should cause a care for those around you who don't have God because you see that God has poured His goodness out upon you through His Word and you desire that for those around you. Of course, we wrestle with that because of sin and because we're, you know, not fully glorified yet. But ultimately, I think that's part of that whole struggle that, like Paul's talking about. You know, when I want to do good, evil is present with me. Mm-hmm. But the point is that the desire is there because you've heard the word of God preached, and God has gifted you faith and has enabled you to love His word, desire, and desire to know more about Him. What the Bible says. Yeah. Long answer. All right. Well, let me let me close in prayer. <laughs> so that uh, so yes, that saturation, Devin. Thank you. That was a, a beautiful kind of overview of the effects on us that saturating saturating being saturated in the gospel would likely have. In addition to the one we talked about, just enabling us to forgive each other and love each other better. All those other things that Devin just listed. Those are that saturation, like the sponge, right? You think of the sponge. If it's saturated, if, I mean, if you squeeze it at all, what it's saturated is what comes out, right? That's, the, that's what comes out. 
It's and it's basically holding as much of it as it can as it can. It's maxed out. I was a chemistry major, and when we say something saturated, we mean that there's as much uh, uh, attached to it as it can. Every single attachment point is occupied by whatever is saturating it. So, you, and how do you saturate something? How do you saturate something? Immerse it, right? You, may, you, you surround it with more of whatever you want to saturate it with than it can even hold. And, and it soaks in just like that sponge. You put that sponge under, you give it a little bit of time, it's saturated. It won't hold any more than it's holding right now. How do we do it? By immersing it in the thing you want to saturate it with. So I think uh, we could start by saying, well, how do we immerse ourselves in the gospel and keep ourselves kind of immersed in the gospel. So, how are we doing? Oh, yep. Keep moving. So, ways to become and maintain being gospel-saturated. Now, our author basically just lists off ways to do this. So, we're going to talk about ways that we can saturate ourselves with the gospel and some extent help each other stay saturated as well okay so number one way know the gospel know it okay right uh if we're not clear on the gospel then we can't really be saturated in it or worse we could be we could be sort of semi-saturating us with something that isn't the real isn't correct isn't right <clears throat> that wouldn't help that's going to not help Right? That's going to not help. If we saturate with something we don't want to be saturated with, that won't help, or worse, could hurt. So what are the elements of the gospel? Let's just review. That's what I needed a marker for, Ron. <laughs> elements of the gospel. Now, we just read, like, I don't know, six passages. So let's quickly review. What are some elements of the gospel? We don't even need to be in a certain order. Let's not get too picky like I was last night trying to make a one-sentence gospel. Okay. All right. What's an element of the gospel? Justification. Justification. What does that mean? Made right with God. All right. Made right with God. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't read this. But trust me, that says made right with God. <laughs> I guess another way to say that would be salvation. Okay, salvation. It's the same thing as made right with God. Okay, salvation. And, all right, that's making me want to ask, what are we saved from? From our sin. Our sin. So we must have sin. We have sinned and we have sin. All right, we are sinful. That's a key element. Right, we wouldn't need the gospel. Adam, before he fell, Adam and Eve, did they need the gospel before they fell? No. There wasn't a problem to be solved. What's so? Oh, so we've sinned, made right with God. So, how does this make us not right with God? It separates us from God. Sin separates us from God. Why? Because dark can't have fellowship with the light. <laughs> we can't do good. 
God is holy. <laughs> From God. He is holy. Good. Summarizing. Okay. So, we've sinned. Sin separates us from God because he is holy. Christ died for sinners. Christ died for sinners. So, so if you are one, that's good news. Christ died for sinners. Amen. So, Christ's blood paid the price. So, he paid the price. The penalty. We'll call it the penalty for sin. Our sin. Come here, Jim Davis. You can here take that down. All right. So, uh, okay. So, sin separates from God. Christ died for sinners. He paid the penalty for our sin. So we can be made right with God. Uh, what else? His righteousness is a credit to us. Yeah, because Christ's right. How's that done? Because Christ's righteousness credited to us. It's as if we kept the law perfectly. Okay. And what because else? Because of that, we are no longer enemies, but we have peace with God. We have peace with God. Okay. That's peace with God. And he's prepared a place for us. And he's prepared a place for us. <clears throat> now, we're going to keep moving here for us. The faster I write, the better it gets. Okay, so... Uh, <clears throat> Interesting exercise. I tried it last night and almost I ran out of time kind of I ended up with something But it's a pretty interesting exercise if you take those scriptures that we looked at There were five or six passages and their various descriptions of the gospel and you pull you make a try to make a composite of that that would be like a quick explanation like one or two paragraph explanation of the gospel that you could be like ready to say. Some annoying Sunday school teacher said, hey, what's the gospel? <laughs> okay, you could, uh, it's an interesting exercise because we've heard it a lot. What are the critical elements? I, find my, I found myself trying to wordsmith it slightly, you know, but it's, it's uh, knowing the gospel. So it took me like four bullet points to say, what's the gospel? So here I add, this is like four paragraphs. And, uh, but we, we hit it all, right? Because of our sin and our natural state, we're condemned by God, alienated from God because he is holy and just. But God sent his eternal son because he loved us and he wanted to save us. He sent us, see, I don't have those words in there. Now I want to add them. <laughs> He sent his eternal son, Jesus Christ, to be born like us, to live a sinful, sinless life, and so to be worthy, a worthy sacrifice for our sins, or take on a punishment for our sin in our place. His resurrection showed that's so we didn't put that he rose from the dead. 
That's probably a critical one. Okay. <laughs> Another one is that we receive it by grace through faith rose from the dead. Okay. Not of works, right? Gift. Okay. Just if some kids come in here and read that, they won't be misled. All right. <laughs> so, uh, Jesus' resurrection showed that his death was more than enough to pay the price for all the sins that God was going to forgive. Okay? More than enough. Didn't just balance it. It overwhelmed it. If, if, a sin require, if one sin requires eternal punishment, then how can anybody ever pay the price? Right? Well, Christ can't because... He's more than enough. So, <clears throat> he didn't have to stay dead or didn't have to be punished eternally like we would because he, his sacrifice was more than enough to pay the price for all our sins. All who believe in him will be declared righteous, given the Holy Spirit to indwell us, will be given conviction of our sin and repentance, the ability to repent from our sin. We give him eternal life, Access to the Father as his adopted children. Fellowship with our brothers and sisters in this life and in the life to come. <clears throat> so I got it down to four paragraphs and I'm still not happy. All right. <clears throat> Number two. So that was know the gospel, huh? Know the gospel. Number two way our authors suggest help us stay saturated with the gospel Seek to hear the gospel and to preach the gospel to yourself and your brothers and sisters. So that's really two things. Seek to hear the gospel. So how do we do that? So how do we seek to hear the gospel? We show up here. Show up here. Show up here. Right? Every Sunday, the gospel gets preached here. Lord willing. And if it isn't, somebody, one of us messed up. <laughs> All right, so so that's so it's going to get preached here, and uh, so we can seek to hear the seek to hear the gospel by coming here. Any other ways? Listen to sermons. Listen to sermons. Read so the word. Read the word. We could so we could hear the gospel by once a week sitting down and reading those six passages that we just read. I mean, that was quite an experience to read through those six passages. And, you know, I did it yesterday, and then I did it again this morning, and it, ha it worked again. You know, I was just getting the, I was just like, it was just like making me want to kneel. Okay, so we can, and we can, we can identify, you know, if we're a commuter, we can listen to podcasts, and some podcasts have the gospel. Some preachers are preaching the gospel, besides the one here at our church, that we could listen to in between Sundays. Yep, okay. Listen to it in every sermon. Personalize it when you hear it. Now, this is part of being soaking. This is part of soaking, like hearing it. There's two ways to hear the gospel, right? At least two. One is, yep, 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 true, amen, yep. Heard that before? It's pretty good. It's good. Or the, 
this is this was done for me. So when we hear the gospel, we can personalize it. When we say Jesus died for sinners, we hear someone say that, we can say, true, but he died for me. And the Holy Spirit's going to remind us of a few, right then, gonna, I guarantee, going to remind us of a few of the sins that he's forgiven us for because of Christ's sacrifice. So we can personalize it when we hear it. A practical way that I feel like I've been soaking in scripture recently has just been, just because with our age, like I, with Instagram and social media stuff, um, and the way the algorithms work, I've noticed my Instagram has definitely been more filled when I when I go through the reels and the different things, or even just the things that I follow, um, of gospel-based things and Christ-based things. So, I mean, I get my funny videos and all that good stuff, but then I also get, you know, Christ and someone just look, I mean, I found somebody the other day just reading scripture for a minute, and I was like, that's cool, I'm going to follow you, so... Oh, that tricks Instagram into giving you more of that. And it does. And then, <laughs> ah, that, that was ah, interesting is I did little things like that and then I noticed more and more and it's like my Instagram is, like you said, saturated with it now. And it's, it's encouraging because I didn't even really realize I was doing it. Like why I don't because realize I just, how come it keeps showing me car crashes. Because <laughs> when it starts to show me a car crash, oh, is this metaphor? <laughs> there are algorithms thinking, dude likes car crashes. Show him some more. <laughs> Trick it into showing you the gospel. Awesome. I'm going to go home and try that. Thank you, Kelsey. So, and it's, what's this? What do we mean by preach the gospel to yourself? I've heard that before, and he said it again in this book. Preach the gospel to yourself. What's that? Oh, well, that's what I was talking about, like, last week, when he preached that. You know, if you're thinking this sermon is uh, good for somebody else, then you probably need it, too. But if we start from the position of hearing or reading the Word, and, and uh, there's a wrong way of spirit where you're like, how does this speak to me? But, like, when you know, you're trying to glean something that isn't in a particular text, but... When something, you know, the, the gospel does apply to us, in other words, the, the word of God. And we should listen with the intent for how can it change my heart and life or help me to grow in the word. Or, you know, yeah, sure. Josh? Um, just take a, a scenario, <clears throat> like I can think of having anxiety. It's like, why, why am I stressed out right now? Why, why is my heart rate elevated or whatever the thing is, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I I have this need to be accepted or perform. It's like, where is that coming from? And then, you know, you eventually get there where the spirit just kind of wakes you up and goes, remember? And you're like, right, right. It's not about what I what I have done, but what God has done. Um, and it's like uh, taking the truth of what the word is regardless of how I feel and trusting what it says. Amen. 
So we can preach the gospel to ourselves whenever we feel, I mean, that was a great example, right? If we are feeling fearful, then we can remember that generally speaking, we have nothing to be afraid of. I mean, there's things that could happen that'd be unpleasant that we don't want, and we wish wouldn't happen. But as God's children, ultimately, nothing can really hurt us. That's so fear, if we remember the gospel, like, oh, right. Or if we're bringing it on ourselves, like, I gotta get God's approval. Well, we want God's approval, but not because that's going to make him love us anymore or re-save us. So we can remind ourselves of the gospel. We can preach it to ourselves. And, <clears throat> you know, so we have it memorized, the elements, and we can preach it to ourselves whenever we feel like we could use a little uh, up soak of some gospel right now for whatever reason. <clears throat> when we start praying, <coughs> excuse me, when we're praying by ourselves, we could start by reminding ourselves who, what God, the God we're praying to has done for us according to the gospel. Right, so we can preach the gospel to ourselves. Like Paul Harvey, that's page two. Are we almost done? Anybody know who Paul Harvey is? The old guy mentioned it's something called Paul Harvey. <laughs> Never heard of it. Uh, <clears throat> the next one, order our lives around the gospel. So Devin already taught you this one. Order our lives around the gospel. So just think, how, how, how would the gospel affect you know, kind of how what we what's what we're doing uh, and how we're doing it, right? So think about how the gospel would affect how we talk with people, how we talk with people. So we, you know, we don't have time to expand on all these. How we talk with people, though, that would be affected by the gospel, because we're basically here to exhibit Christ's love together, but also individually, to the world. So when we are talking to our neighbor, or our child, or our parent, or colleague at work, the gospel could, could affect basically kind of how we talk to people, and, uh, or how we encourage people. And or teach people if we're in a we have, like I just mentioned our children right or encouraging someone who's discouraged. Well, if they're a brother and sister, the, the most encouraging thing there is probably is the straight up gospel, right? Like remember who you are. If you're discouraged, yeah, this could be a horrible day. But the gospel means it's going to be all right. Uh, <clears throat> our author says how we make personal decisions and work decisions. 
you know, are we, are we, are we bearing the gospel in mind? Are we bearing what's really long-term important in mind when we make our personal decisions? You know, what's a, you know, I don't know. These some personal decisions that I think of as examples sound mundane, but we are deciding things in some kind of framework, right? So, does the gospel shed any light on what would be wise in any decision we're going to make? Okay. Uh, how we make ministry decisions, obviously, how we make ministry decisions should be all soaked in the gospel. Sounds, and and I mean, you know, how we spend our time from day to day. Like Kelsey's got me going, man. I'm going to replace these car wrecks <laughs> with little Bible <laughs> preaching clips. Uh, <clears throat> then it won't be as much of a waste of time as it is. So number four, we're almost done. Number four way to soak ourselves in the gospel, share it with others. Share the gospel with other people. So um, there is nothing that, you know, I think probably most of us, if we've ever had to explain anything to anybody, if we know in advance that we're going to have to explain something to somebody, what do we do? Prepare. We prepare. We get ready to explain it. And if I'm not ready to explain something when somebody asks me about it, which I'm usually not, I'm like, and it's not a great explanation. It could even be wrong. I'll be just guessing. Because I didn't prepare. So if we are thinking about, if we're praying that God will give us an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody, be careful what you ask for, but I'm encouraging you to ask for this. But if we're praying for some for God to, number one, he's not going to leave you, he doesn't leave you hanging when you, if you're sharing the gospel with somebody, who's around, who's, who's there with you, supervising? God is. Holy Spirit is, right? Because that's not an accidental conversation. So if we pray to God, give us opportunities, and, and also God in our hearts, give us the wisdom to recognize the opportunity and to share the gospel and well take over my mouth Lord and make sure if I share the gospel with anybody I'm sharing it well okay and I know it's not happening if the Holy Spirit didn't somehow cause this question to come up so the whole thing is like they say used to say divine appointment okay and you know that's how he does it you think about who shared the gospel with you, it wasn't like there was a hand writing on the wall. Somebody spoke it, or you read it, and somebody explained it to you, right? So sharing the gospel, you, 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 it, soaks, it sort of soaks us in it. Just being ready for, to do it keeps us kind of mindful of it, especially if we're thinking God can, We're on the lookout for it, <clears throat> then we're thinking, if some, you know, if I get an opportunity to share the gospel, what, what am I going to say? All right, and typically it's somebody we know and we have a relationship with that person and it's based in some kind of real reason to have a conversation, right? So it's all quite real. <clears throat> and it might be, it might be the day. Um, conversations that can become spiritual conversations. We're really running out of time, but okay. Conversations that can become spiritual conversations 
some people we've known, we went to church with them for a while, and then they decided to become missionaries with Campus Crusade, now called Crew. And they were doing this thing to kind of show us what they do. Now, so this is college, these are college students trying to reach college students, right? Trying to share the gospel with other college students. Well, the mindset is, if the Holy Spirit's not at work in that person, then, you know, it's probably going to just bounce off, right? Or, but, so how do, you, how do you detect, how do you start these conversations that might turn into spiritual conversations where the gospel might be the logical thing to talk about next? And they, they just had techniques for that. It's not, they take surveys. And what if anybody asks a question? They're like, bing! They put pictures out on the floor and ask people what they think various pictures mean. We've thought about how to start conversations with people they don't even know very well yet that might bring, bring out people who the Holy Spirit's working on. That was, yeah, that would work. Um, there's an example we don't have time to read uh, in Acts 8, 30 through 35. Anybody know what Acts 8, 30 through 35 is about? The poor Ethiopian eunuch. This was a person who was reading the Bible, but they didn't understand it. And they were reading that passage in Isaiah that we read a few minutes ago. And uh, Philip right, it was Philip, you know, I guess he'd probably been praying for an opportunity to share the gospel, and so God said, hey, go here and look for a guy that's reading the Bible. And that question he asks and the answer provided is just like what you're talking about with that crew, I think. It is, it is, in fact, now, Josh, you forced me to do it, we're going to look at it, it's Acts 30, 8, 30 through 35, Acts 8, 30 through 35, thanks for reminding me. Acts 8, it's exactly like it. Go over and talk to this guy. I'm paraphrasing. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet. And he asked him, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in his, uh, I think it's in his chariot, they call it, some kind of stagecoach. Now the passage he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. That's what he was reading. We, we don't know where people's hearts are when the spiritual conversation starts up. But, and it's not on us either. You know, we just called to explain the gospel. Dixie. I mean, this happened in my house a couple weeks ago. <laughs> my son was reading in Genesis, and he had just been reading in Genesis for a couple weeks, and he just looked at me and said, "How would I? How would I believe in God?" I mean, it was just like, <laughs> "Wow." Yeah, the Holy Spirit had been drawing him, and mm -hmm. that exact thing came up. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, this this little story of the Ethiopian eunuch. What is what's why is it in the Bible? You know, it's 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 basically for our for it's suitable for teaching, right? This is a thing that God does and how He does it. It's not the only way, but it's obviously a way. And uh, so, and we can another one more thing about sharing the gospel with others. 
uh, it wasn't really our in the in the book, but uh, we've said we say don't assume the gospel. And we used to think of the example of a person who looks very Christian. All right, and they might even be visiting our church and have the Bible with three markers and full of notes. And so they look very Christian to us. Okay, they're visiting our church. So we're going to, what's our, what are we going to do? We're going to assume they know the gospel, they believe what we believe. All you can really assume, if you talk to people that have visited us recently, it's like uh, they drove by and saw the word Bible. I mean, it's really not enough to go on. Saw the word Bible on our sign. So that's not enough to make any conclusions, right? But it is a great assumption to make that it's not for no reason whatsoever that God has somehow brought them into our church. So they may be a brother and sister in Christ, or they may be somebody who is, see, is the Holy Spirit's working on, and it sounds like we might be able to explain the Bible. So those conversations could start by talking about the gospel, couldn't they? If they're a brother and sister, you're, you're, you're soaking them in it. And if they are not... You're, you're presenting it, right? And the Holy Spirit might be working with that, okay? So that's an opportunity, but it doesn't happen if we assume that it's not needed. And you know, it's totally safe because we know we're supposed to remind each other anyway, so let's do it. No problem. All right. One or two last things. Guard the gospel. Guard the gospel. Uh, so... Um, <clears throat> what do we mean by that? We mean like keeping an eye out for corruption of the gospel or abandonment or missing of, you know, the gospel's missing from where it should be. So we, <clears throat> and this is, this isn't, this is not something that we, we won't, if you looked up Galatians 8 and 9, it's written to the whole church, not to the pastor's saying you need to keep an eye out for false teachers. It's written to everybody. Well, first of all, we're going to need to know what the truth is to recognize when there's something missing. Like, you know, we, you know, actually we need to, um, Jesus didn't pay the penalty for our sin. Well, not all of it. This is a popular one, right? Popular. He didn't pay the entire penalty. You'll still need to pay. That's a very popular work of the gospel. And if you think about it, it really undermines the gospel. Okay? So keeping an eye out for things that aren't quite right. Now, when someone tells us the go a gospel that's not quite right, I mean, it's not like we're the gospel police and we're going to go down the street and try to identify the churches that don't teach the right gospel and put a sign up in front of them. That's not what this is about. What this is really about is in those same conversations where we might be tempted to assume the gospel is all understood by somebody, they come up with something like, and I guess I've got to, you know, do penance. Well, now we are having a spiritual conversation, and that's a little wrinkle. Wrinkle. That's a that's kind of an undermining of the gospel. So 
well, you know, it's interesting, but really, the Bible says that Jesus paid the entire price. No further penalty is required of us if we believe that Jesus paid the entire price. So we're having it. We're having So that's what I mean. Why pay attention to false gospels? To my, to my mind, for, you know, if a Sunday school teacher comes in and starts saying, now, sometimes you might have to pay a little penalty. Well, red flag time. Roll up, you know, have a conversation. Okay. But most of the time, being alert for this is being alert for an opportunity that God's bringing to you to preach the true gospel to somebody or share the true gospel with somebody, right? So, abandonment, oh, what's some common ways the gospel is corrupted? You might have to pay, you're going to have to pay some penalty for your sins. Uh, believe the gospel and you'll be, you'll get rich. That's a really popular one. Somehow your, your life is going to be rosy and God has a special purpose for you. Special purpose. Destiny. So we, so we, uh, those are opportunities to 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 speak the true gospel that might make a difference. And uh, also, we can recommend teachers. Like they're not coming to our church. Some colleague at work, and they say, "Man, you know, I listen. I'm going to pick on him, Joel Osteen. I love that guy." Okay, well, this is somebody that watches preachers on TV or on podcasts. Okay, so have an alternative to suggest. You know who else is good? You know, to me, those sermons, I've listened to a couple of them. You know, they're pep talks. But I'm a little worried that they don't really explain how to, have a, how to be reconciled to God, how to be forgiven for your sins, which to me seems like the main thing. Here's a guy. Go listen to R.C. Sproul. Here's a, I'll send you the link. Anyway, be ready. If someone, ex, you know, ex, surfaces that this is false gospel at work, and be ready to kind of help them go in a better direction. Right? So this, all of this, and I see how this is soaking us. We're here to talk about how it's, we're talking about how to keep ourselves saturated in the gospel. What is this? I mean, in order to do the kinds of things we're talking about here, you kind of have to be mindful of it. That's how, I think that's how it, if this mechanism helps of keeping ourselves soaked, is by, is by, you know, because if we're looking for that, we got to be kind of mindful of the truth. Um, okay, abandonment. Well, we're out of time. That's when we have a whole Sunday school class or something. We don't ever mention the gospel. <laughs> that can happen. That can happen. Um, we need to keep an eye out for that. The Gospel for Real Life by Jerry Bridges. We'll put it in the notes, but we're over time, so I'm going to close this in prayer. <clears throat> Dear God, thank you for your great grace and mercy toward us. Lord, thank you for the gospel. Lord, thank you for loving us and uh, taking care of us, saving us, bringing us together. Lord, I pray that as we go into our worship service that you'd enable us to worship you in spirit and in truth with the gospel this great gospel in mind and that we would hear it again this morning as we hear your word preached pray that you would be with jeremy as he preaches uh, lord that you would draw us together as an effective beacon of the gospel 
here where we are. Um, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.